Welcome to the very first episode of Light a Spark, a brand new podcast that we talk about anything inspiring us to think. Hi, I'm your host Lane. This week, I will be talking about turning thirty. Why would I pick up this topic? Well, if you've been following my YouTube channel Lightning Studio, if you search Capital L I N G Studio on YouTube, you will find in the last episode of the video my brilliant thirty-year-old friend, my friend and I shared our current situation and stories about our approaching thirties. In the video, you can tell at first glance that my friend and I have different attitudes on turning thirty. But we are on the same page about one thing: the thirties is totally different from the twenties, and we are actually both experiencing different levels of anxiety. So, what are we worried about? Why is this happening? And how do we go about dealing with our anxiety? This is something I didn't mention all in the video. So let's have a chat about it today. Okay, so let's start with the moment when I first realized that I was about to turn thirty. It's about three years ago when I turned twenty-six. I came home for the Chinese New Year, and it was the first time I started preparing red envelopes for the kids and my grandma. You know, it's a traditional Chinese custom during the New Year. So my, <laughs> so basically, I my empty wallet reminds me of the first time that I was going up, and I also found that my mother started to ask me for advice in recent years when there was some like family issues, which has never happened before. So all of a sudden, I realized that I have reached the age that the whole family starts to depend on me. Oh, um, oh, and when it comes to New Year, it's important to mention the classic Chinese New Year drama, where your relatives take turns asking you when are you going to get married, and when will you have kids. Of course, I politely replied them that it was too early to talk about this. I'm so young, right? <laughs> But what I really have in my mind is that, come on, it's none of your business. So you see, it seems I handled it pretty well. But to be honest, all of these are reminding me every day that my peers, my friends, are getting married and living stable lives. And at the same time, I'm quitting my job in Beijing, going back home to start my own business. If you were me, I'm sure you'd feel the same pressure as I do. So you see, I'm mature adult who will take responsibility for the choices I made, and I know that if I stick to it, it will ultimately benefit me too. But I still feel stressed out. Unfortunately, after a period of thought, I finally figured out that my anxiety comes more from the uncertainty of the unknown future. Rather than the peer pressure. So, how did I discover the key to this problem? Okay, first to solve a problem, then we must understand the problem itself. If you go online to look up questions like "What is wrong with turning thirty?" "What are the serious consequences of age anxiety?" you will easily find that it's common for people to get anxiety in their thirties. I did some research. According to a survey conducted by Chinese newspaper China Youth Daily, in the second half of 2020, 30 to 34 years old 
is the age group most likely to experience age anxiety in China. In 2018, a survey by the Mental Health Foundation in the UK also pointed out that anxiety is more pronounced in middle-aged people. And based on a survey from 2001 and to 2003 in the US, adults aged 30 to 44 have the highest rate of anxiety of this age group, with around 23% of people this age reporting an anxiety disorder. So please, please don't panic when you find you are anxious about turning 30, because anxiety is common among middle-aged adults and around the whole world. But why does this happen? As researchers are learning that this may be due to some、uh, physiological factors, including changes in the brain and nervous system as we age. And according to genetic research, we now know that anxiety have a genetic component. People born with extra sensitive temperament, a function of genetics, are thought to be at greater risk for developing anxiety disorders late in life because their nervous system is more easily aroused. In other words, anxiety is a、um, physiological reaction and function of your body. What I'm trying to point out here is that if you are experiencing anxiety, it's actually a signal from yourself, from your brain and your body. So to address anxiety, first we should stop insulting these signals by saying that experiencing anxiety is weak or crazy. We should listen to these signals, which are telling you what you need right now. Except for physiological factors, anxiety also arises from social status and social circumstances. I came up with this idea inspired by a book I read recently, "Status Anxiety" by Ellen DeBotton. In the book, Ellen DeBotton sets out. Five causes of status anxiety and five possible solutions. For as you know, Alan Dibotton is a Swiss-born British philosopher. So basically, the ideas in this book somehow represent mainstream Western values, and it is aimed at the middle class in the West, which felt out of touch for me. For example, in China, there is no such concept of bohemia, which is one of the five possible solutions to address status anxiety in the book, where the author used it to describe people who call themselves bohemia, who did not fit in the bourgeois conception of respectability. But the similar values can be found in the traditional Chinese view of xiaoying yuye. Which used to describe some people who look beyond life, want to live a reclusive, uncontested life, and furthermore, the book was originally published in two thousand and four, which is a bit dated, you see. However, in any culture at any time, as long as we are human beings living in a society, we inevitably worry about what other people think of us. We worry about judgment and humiliation. We long to succeed and fear failure. For the first time, Aldi Buttons gave a name to this universal condition as status anxiety. 
and he analyzed it by looking at history, philosophy, economics, art, and politics with great charm and learning. Undoubtedly, it's thought-provoking and helpful work when studying status anxiety. Therefore, based on the ideas in his book and comparing them with the reality of Chinese society, I have summarized a few reasons for the status anxiety currently caused in China. Okay, first, we want to be loved and to be noticed. Because our sense of identity is influenced by the judgment of the people in our lives, we feel anxious about the place we hold in the world. We worry that if we are not good enough, we will not be loved. Being ignored can disappoint the most ardent desire of human nature. Second, we don't want to be looked down upon by snobs. Our fear of not being loved is compounded by the snobbery that exists in society. Snobs take very small parts of us, such as our professional identity, and use this to complete verdicts about how valuable we are as humans. They don't care about your soul like your mom, but your status. And that's also the reason why we care much about others' judgment. Third, we have high expectation of life because of comparison to a reference group. Specifically, while technological development and the industrial revolution have brought us many products that have improved our standard of living, it has also continued to raise our expectation into areas, including material goods and ambitions. So how much is now? Eldin Button argued that it's never determined independently, but rather by comparison to a reference group, a set of people who we believe resemble us. This results in what we mostly envy people that we believe to be our equals, such as our peers. And this reminds me of phenomena in China. In recent years, social media such as WeChat, Weibo, and TikTok has been full of toxic chicken soup for the soul. That refers to content that seems like it will be good for you, but is actually very bad. For example, it's barely disguised marketing or misinformation. Some undesirable media use these kind of content to pressure audiences with peer comparison by promoting extreme cases to the audiences they sell anxiety on the social media platforms, creating nothing but a stressful environment, just in order to gain attention and increase readership. Some media even target different stages and ages of society, creating anxiety specific to that group. You see, such a social environment, I believe, is something that no one wants to see. But at the same time, it tells us that when we faced up to our anxieties, we need to see the problem not only ourselves, but also in the fact of the social environment. Okay, next, Aldi Button is blaming meritocracy on status anxiety. Meritocracy believes in the assumption that achievement is celebrated and failure is given responsibility. In other words, you shouldn't blame fate or the gods, but you only have to blame yourself for your failure. But is this really how it should be? 
It makes me think of a case in China. Well,、uh, it's about a, a young girl, Ailing Ailing Gu, and also known as Ailing Gu, who is seen as highest profile athlete at the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympic Games. She scored a gold medal in the women's freeski big air competition. Of course, we all love this girl, who has a bright and funny personality and is very talented. But look at the image that the public in China now portrays of her. She has just become a representative of the success of women's inspirational story. It's just like. You know, it just make me just feel like people can be as successful as she is if if we work as hard as she did and as she suggests, sleep for ten hours a day. I'm not saying hard work and adequate sleep are bad, but this is not the case. Ellen's success depends not only on her own personal factors but also on the resources behind her. More importantly. This kind of public opinion seems to tell us again that if you don't succeed, you didn't work hard enough, and this kind of thinking is dangerous, my friend. In the long run, I worry that we, as a society, will lose our empathy and respect for someone who's failed. Think about it, and it just brings me to my fifth cause of status anxiety: dependence. When there is no imbalance between our requirements and the uncertain conditions, it surely creates anxiety. Now our status depends on our performance in a fast-moving, uncertain, and changing world. However, our performance itself is uncertain as number one. Everyone has different talent. Number two, luck is an important part of the success. And number three. The priority of our employers determine our status and development. Number four, our job depends on the profitability of our employers. Number five, the survival of companies and the employees is further threatened by the performance of the global economy. And all these uncertainties are beyond our control. And when it comes to things outside our control, I'd like to talk about two phenomena of involution and lying flat that have emerged in China. The involution or neijuan in Chinese is used to describe Chinese young people's struggles in the unnecessary over a competition. And the idea of lying flat. Tomping in Chinese means taking a break from relentless work or even giving up the competition. The lying flat took off during 2021 after the idea of involution had spread to all corners of Chinese society, as many felt they were coming under increasing pressure to work even harder and outperform their peers. Behind involution, lying flat, the dissatisfaction and despair about the present and the future may seem manifest itself only in some young people. However, if it can make a group of young people in a country lose their enthusiasm and motivation for life and see no way out for the future, it's not only a problem for young people but actually a crisis of society. 
As young people here, we may blame China's high cost of living, including high property prices, high prices of goods, high reproductive costs, employment difficulties, and few opportunities to make us to engage in intense and meaningless competition to ensure our presence in the workplace. However, the reasons for all this are complex, and among them, we should reflect on whether our current employment structure and industry structure are reasonable. For example, some Chinese experts pointed out that in recent years, blue-collar workers employed in labor-intensive enterprises have seen their wages rise faster, indicating a shortage of blue-collar workers. While The prevalence of the 996 work culture in the internet industry is somehow an indication of a surplus of employees, or at least a surplus of university graduates in computer science. The shortage of workers at the low end of the industry and the surplus of workers at the high end of the industry show the irrational structure of the industry, and I agree that. By supporting industry transformation, expanding the share of high-end industries, and encouraging youth entrepreneurship through national policies, it may be possible to alleviate the problem of excessive competition caused by involution. Okay, so after understanding some of the causes of our anxiety, next. Instead of seeking professional advice, I'd like to share some tips I used in addressing my anxiety. I can't say I've addressed it well, but it works. So I will be happy if there's anything I talk about today, you can use it to help you along the way. Okay, so first, please don't believe that any society really can be meritocratic. The factors behind a person's success are complex. Luck or accident is also what determines where they are. Understand that a person is multifaceted and sometimes maybe not good at this, but please learn to discover what you are good at and build on it. Second, make up your own definition of success instead of uncritically leaning on societies. There are so many ways to succeed, and many of them have nothing to do with social status. With a clear goal and perseverance, going above and beyond yourself is also a type of success. Third, don't let outer achievement define our sense of self entirely. There remains so many vital sides of us that will never appear on our business cards. So please go and make friends who are truly worth making and who deserve more sides of you. Fourth, broaden your social cycle. Develop relationships with old, young, rich, poor, religious, and non-religious people, and be open-minded and wide-eyed with people from all different backgrounds. Fifth, develop a healthy outlook on relationships and families. It doesn't help to get married because you feel anxious about seeing others get married. It's often said that. There is no way to choose where you come from, but studying family will give you another chance, and this choice is a conscious one. Six, read more art and literature than the toxic chicken soup for the soul and fake news on the internet.
and question anything you read, and carefully analyze whether the messages and values in it apply to you. And next, please save your money. Learn to manage and invest your money from an early age, so that it can reduce financial stress when life changes. The last but not least, don't define yourself by the unknown, and by what you haven't done yet. You can determine your life now. Okay, so that's for this episode. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please hashtag light to spark and tell me how you think about turning thirty. I will appreciate your responses. Thanks for hearing me out again. I will speak to you next week.